I will pluck the arrow fair, that more brave shall be my hand, that more warm shall be my lips, that more swift shall be my foot. May I an island be at sea, may I a rock be on land, that I can inflict any man, no man can afflict me. Hi, this is Amanda, and uh, that's one of the charms collected by Alexander Carmichael in the Camina Gadelica um, concerning Yarrow. It's time for the second episode of Yarrow. I broke this one down into two different bits, um, partially just for the practicality for my own for my own needs, but also because there were two very different faces of Yarrow. There's Yarrow the warrior, the story of Achilles, is so ancient and is so connected to Yarrow and for me is so much a part of Yarrow's personality. But then that bleeds seamlessly into Yarrow being the healer, the stauncher of blood, but on the flip side, being a creator of nosebleeds. Um, and then we connect that into Yarrow's um, traditional uses and stories of it being a divining herb. Yarrow stalks are used in the I Ching in China, and, and in Scotland, again, there is this deep connection with Yarrow being something that could foretell the future. It's um, sought by young women on 1st of May, or uh, some sources actually say any May morning, but for me it would have been the 1st of May. And they would go out, some claim naked, but hey, you know, people do like to imagine that anyone might be doing something naked. I always think those um, assertions are a, a... maybe come from a slightly different source, shall we say. If you've been out on a May morning in Scotland, you'll know you're probably best off not going sky clad because it gets a bit parky, even in May. But young girls would go out and they'd cut or pull a stalk of yarrow on a May morning, their eyes tightly shut, reciting these lines, yarrow, yarrow, three times yarrow, if you love me as I love you, the red, red blood will follow. And then they might use it in their nose to see if it would bleed, or they may sleep with it under their pillow and find out what they dreamt of that night. I also wanted to share another aspect of yarrow, because all this divining, of course, got one or two folk into trouble. Connecting back in with Elizabeth Blackwell, I think it's quite poignant that uh, the Witchcraft Act of 1735, you know, happened two years before The Curious Herbal was published. We're in that period of change, of um, vast differences occurring from, from medicine being almost entirely unregulated to many of the ways that were traditional and had been long held by cunning folk and wise people in the community who knew what to use, when to pick the plants and what words to recite. But the regulation also helped people. 
made it safer. If there's no way of regulating a practitioner, then I guess um, it opens up opportunities for charlatans to work in ways in which maybe they shouldn't. But of course, there was also a time of persecution. So 1735 comes along when Elizabeth Blackwell is just 35 years old. This is a law that now makes it a crime for a person to claim that any human being has magical powers or is guilty of pretending they're a witch. The law abolishes the hunting and execution of witches in Britain and I'm sad to say, of course, things did continue, but um, it does change the legal position and so things become slightly different. That said, many women were still, on, and many people were still accused of witchcraft. And one of those was Belle McGee, described as the last of the Ayrshire witches. She was actually from Kirkubrisha. But um, the last of the Ayrshire witches is the moniker she's given. And uh, Isabel McGee, in 1760, was, was living in Beeth in Ayrshire, not far from, from where I, I was stranded in the car, if you've been joining in with the Facebook group conversation. Um, not that far, really, from, from Killeen Castle, where, you know, <laughs> we spent a few, a few hours waiting for the car to be repaired and um, finding plenty of yarrow growing um, on the verge where we stopped. Now, so there we are in Ayrshire. I'm off, I'm off on a tangent painting a picture for you. But um, she was believed by many to have slightly strange powers. She wasn't judicially charged with any crime, but um, word spread as the word does. And and an interview she was um, with a with a local chap. I believe he was an archaeologist. I'd have to go back. There's a fantastic book. If anyone wants to look a little deeper, I know Lizanne Henderson has written a fantastic book called um, Witchcraft and Folk Belief in the Age of Enlightenment. It's a fantastic read if you want more detail on, on this or any of the witch trials. But there's this archaeologist interviews her. Um, and in the year before she died, she died you know, long past Elizabeth Blackwell's lifetime. But this, so this is happening 1760, you know, at the end of Elizabeth's life. She, um, she says, she got it claimed, um, I'm reading off her page now. I don't pretend to skill, all I do is in the fear of the God, and if he blesses the means, the praise is his. But um, she'd been said locally to have had the evil eye put on her. When she was a child and her, her mother had tried her best, a little like Achilles' mother in the story I told you the other day, to to work a counter-charm, to, to decrease the effects of this black magic that had been put on her child. But a child, Belle McGee, had been left with these powers. She was said to heal both humans and animals. 
and used an elaborate ritual involving stalks of yarrow. She would utter the words of the Lord's Prayer, tweaking and turning the words to her own way. Our Father, which art in heaven, I raise your name. Thy work will be done on earth, in heaven. Furthermore, I beg of you to stop any man trespassing on me as I may go forth and trespass on others. There are no words left of how Isabel McGee twisted the Lord's Prayer. I'm only a storyteller. Some things I say are true and some things twist and turn, but utter the words she did, and with the stalks of yarrow, she was said to be able to restore the curd to the milk for cheese. She was able to work spells with the dairy like nobody else. And she was consulted by, by those from far and wide, the wealthy as well as the peasants. But uh, tried she was, and she was um, holding, in my version of events, those stalks of yarrow, hoping to make a change to her own fate. As she took those words in the interview, as she said what she did about not she doesn't pretend to have a skill. She died in 1836 and uh, she wasn't quite the last person to qualify as a witch. I don't remember what happened to Belle McGee, but I think those stalks of yarrow and of course the Witchcraft Act and the change in 1735, near on a hundred years before she died, but those stalks of yarrow kept her safe for a, quite a long time. How she used them, I don't think is recorded either. I've searched through a few records, but I think probably the best piece of advice, if you want to venture into the world of the unknown, to explore how you can change fate and twist occurrences, how you can mend what is broken and change what is to come by words and charms, incantations and little acts of practical magic, then I think you need to find it out for yourself. It's not something you can be told and recreate. You can only take what is suggested and find ways of exploring it yourself. I think that the thing you get to change most by using yarrow is um, probably to inhale that steam, that steam that we let rise from the glass before the last story and let it help you fend up a cold or heal a wound. 
staunch blood. And if you happen to see your your true love walk through the May mist and divine who it is, you're going to rest your head happily beside for the rest of your life. Well, then, sounds like a bonus to me. That's the yarrow plant for you. Um, and I'll see you all next week, or speak to you all next week. Um, when we'll be back to plate number four. And we'll be sharing a story and a recipe or two about the cucumber. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you then.